Hello and welcome to Chatting, a podcast where people chat about how they learn and use English. My name is Sam, I'm a CELTA teacher and a performer and I have a particular interest in pronunciation and expression. In each episode, non-native and native speakers will chat about their experiences with English, share their advice and, at the end, I'll give some pronunciation tips for you to take away and practice. So, ready? Let's get chatting. This episode, I'm chatting with Ling. Ling is originally from Hong Kong and is now living and working in Finland. We were online and for the most part it was a clear line, but there are one or two moments when the sound drops, but hopefully this won't affect what you hear too much. We chatted about starting English very young, teaching marketing and the benefits of reading your writing out loud. But I started by asking Ling to tell me a little bit about herself. Well, I am from Hong Kong mm-hmm. and since English and Chinese, the Cantonese Chinese are our official languages. So somehow, I don't know why, like we started to learn English since the age of three. Oh, wow. That's early. <laughs> uh, in kindergarten. <laughs> wow. I wish our kindergarten would be more laid back, but no, like our kindergarten, there was kind of, I think there was homework. <laughs> but yeah, so I have learned English ever since three years old. Gosh. Do you remember those classes as being fun or just hard work? Uh, I remember copybook. <laughs> <laughs> so then how does it um, progress through school then, learning English? Landscape in Hong Kong is quite interesting because it really depends on which school do you attend. Okay. So I must say the English ability of Hong Kongers varies a lot mm-hmm. because I, um, for example... I was lucky enough to attend a pretty decent school and somehow it's it's English as medium. So I actually studied, I think, I mean, from from primary to secondary. Uh, And and at that time we were still using the UK system. So I mean like A-level, GCS. So basically those 13 years, English was the medium to study. Okay. Of course, except Chinese, Chinese history. Mm -hmm. What else? What else? I think the other subjects, they were in English completely. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so if you're using the UK uh, education system, if you like, or the school system, would you say that the type of English you were learning was more UK influenced or more US influenced? Okay. That is also an interesting question because... (laughs) Because I mean, supposedly, I mean, following the book, we should mm-hmm. we should have acquired a better uh, UK variant, right? Mm-hmm. But I guess, like you know, as a kid, as a teenager, what you grew up with, actually, you know, like you were surrounded by pop culture, and and at that time, oh, sorry, UK, but I mean, at that time, like when I grew up, and that it was no longer the UK rock culture or whatever; it's more tilted towards the US already. I guess that's why it's a mixed. Maybe like maybe many Hong Kongers when they spell words, it's still following the English, you know, doubling the L. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I'm not sure. I think we have a kind of a mix. And so did you continue studying English or have part of English as when you went to university? I came to Finland 
to study okay. after my high school graduation. Before I took my A-level exams, mm-hmm. I went to Finland, rural Finland, for high school exchange, and I fell in love with this country. And that was my first time, you know, being in this country. Wow! I, I fell in love with the country, the culture, not not with a guy. Okay, <laughs> not <laughs> disclaimer. And and I was like, oh, I need to see the world, and that's why upon graduation. Uh, Besides applying to universities in Hong Kong, I mean locally, then I also applied to Finland, and so I took English, English philology from the University of Helsinki. Oh, right. Because it was the only—I mean, obviously, yeah, like it was the only subject offered in English at that time. So, yeah, yeah. So that's that's how I ended up technically, literally, studying English. Yeah. So, what type of things did you study? I mean, it's a bachelor program, so we got to study a bit. A little bit of everything. Okay. There was, of course, literature, linguistics. Well, basically, literature and linguistics. Uh, both were fun, but I guess I was more fascinated by linguistic at that time because I was intrigued how we use language daily. Psychology can impact that. Your culture can impact that. There are so many variables and factors and that's how I find it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. But with time, now thinking back, I think I love literature more and more. Tell me about now then, Ling, your work, your teacher, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> so in the beginning, I was like, Nana, nah, I'm not going to teach, but the, I somehow ended up teaching. And also right. before this teaching, somehow I... So let's say I stay in the private sector for mm-hmm. five years, working in marketing and projects management. So I founded my own startup. I mean, I co-founded, there were other people as well. Uh-huh. And then after that, I I jumped into another more established startup. Yeah, to handle projects. It was a translation agency. So I got to learn a lot, a, a little bit more about languages, but other aspects of languages. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of funny, like how my degree got connected to these kind of things somehow. Yeah. And then, um, and then I work as a social media manager in a smartphone company. All right. And that's, that was the funny moments when I have such insights on, oh, educate, like teaching education and marketing. They're, they're so related, basically. You're trying to communicate effectively. Mm. I mean, in some sense, like they, mm-hmm. and you're trying to activate the audience to do something. So, so you know, like there, on so many levels, I see correlations. And after that, and somehow I end up teaching marketing. So I presume that you teach marketing in yeah. English. Yeah. Do you find that you use a specific set of vocabulary that everybody else uses or how does it work? I guess, of course, in the beginning of the class or the course, um, I was quite conscious not to use marketing jargons too much in the okay. beginning because I knew that among my students, many of them just switch industry. So uh, marketing is something new and I know that I need to introduce them, you know, gradually. But of course, after working in this field for a while, it's it's become natural and so sometimes even though I was conscious and I just words just slipped right. <laughs> so I was like oops I need to explain it like they don't understand but then I think another layer is I am quite a creative person so I tend to have some wordplay or pun it's also just part it's just 
natural in my communications as well mm -hmm. and so sometimes i but that that may not be the best thing to do when you're teaching i'm doing self-reflection here right now <laughs> uh, because maybe when students are trying to grasp the idea and they may take the term literally you, you know like back in the days when you learned something there is always some uh, definition, like a term and a definition in a textbook, it's like separated. Okay, remember that. And so, yeah, I, I, I think maybe it's nice to be still like, I mean, when you're teaching, then it's better to be clear. Yeah, until Ooh. they get a certain level of understanding, and then you, you can start to spice things up. But on the other hand, I think marketing is one of the most confusing industry ever. Uh -huh. <laughs> because basically, uh, the language used in marketing i mean how marketer describes something there can be many terms for on many things i mean it's not it's not like i don't know it's not like economics or other field that one term means one thing mm -hmm. but like it's i'm not a big fan of jargons because i mean who understands you come on and uh, in the end when you c communicate among your teammates or maybe like to your seniors you still need to speak proper English <laughs> like if you keep on throwing all the jargons like do people really understand you maybe not to me as long as you know how to use things and apply things onto different levels then I think that's the best way okay let's bring it back to you then Ling um if you could what of your own English language would you improve would you try and improve your grammar or your pronunciation or your vocabulary hmm. or, your, or your punctuation what would you improve if you could nowadays I I'm quite interested in punctuation. I mean, I'm I'm serious. I, I'm interested in punctuation. I mean, it's part of grammar, but I think when I write, I like to read it aloud as well. So, I mean, I mean, not everything, of course, not a business email, but like when I write a proper essay or mm -hmm. like a, a speech or a blog, because to me, um, what you write should really be human. But I think punctuation is a very underrated element of writing because mm -hmm. it's really creates the it can change the whole atmosphere let's mm. say yeah i agree yeah definitely I, I i'm just being romantic here so no that's you be as romantic as you want uh, to be <laughs> <laughs> and, and exactly like uh what you want to convey in a sentence but how you break it down mm -hmm. can change the whole meaning like it can turn opposites or i i think that's the fun part of punctuation final question then ling what yeah. advice would you give an english learner to help them to me basically just speak it mm -hmm. <laughs> i if you have any chance to use it just use it mm -hmm. because i think in the end language is just a means to interact to communicate to express your thoughts i personally don't really care how fancy or fluffy words you use <laughs> it's more about the main core message that you are conveying so but i know that i have observed as well so many language learners they are very conscious they don't want to make any mistakes and so they kind of hinder themselves mm -hmm. which i think it's not so healthy I mean, of course, we can try to perfect it as much as possible, but what is perfect in the end? Yeah, what is perfect in the end? Fabulous.
I think Ling's habit of reading her writing out loud is a really good one. When we write, we look for varied vocabulary and complicated sentence structures to show people how good our English is. But if we read it out loud, we sometimes find that our message isn't as clear as it could be. Perhaps a sophisticated but rarely used word doesn't actually convey what we mean. Or we've not used the punctuation needed in the right place. So try reading your work out loud and aim for a clear, concise message. Ling also mentioned that she likes to use wordplay and puns. Because English has many words that sound the same but don't look the same, look the same but don't sound the same, or look and sound the same, and all have different meanings, it's a fun language. There are many examples of wordplay, such as acronyms, where abbreviations are pronounced as words made with the first letter of other words. An example could be NASA, so the National Aeronautical and Space Administration. There are also internet abbreviations like LOL, which can be LOL or an acronym LOL. Confusing, but there we are. There are many, many more examples of wordplay online. I found a good page on the Oxford Royal Academy website, so I've put a link on the podcast's webpage. Puns are the funny end of wordplay, so you might see a fish restaurant called the Codfather. Cod is a fish and sounds like God. Or I could say I had eggs for breakfast. They were excellent. Because excellent and excellent sound the same. This is funny to some people. I think it's quite funny. But I'm sure you can find funnier examples online. So, this episode's pronunciation tip looks at another minimal pair. The small difference between the short I and long E sounds. It can be quite difficult for some learners to hear the difference. And even more difficult to say... So let's think about it like this. The short I is a vertical sound. It goes up and down the face. The long E sound is more horizontal. It goes across the face. So up and down for I, across for E. I have three sentences now for you to practice. First, this, singular, and these, plural. Try this sentence. This person is Finnish. These people are Greek. Also here, Finnish is an I and Greek is an E. Next, ship, a large boat, and sheep, the animal that says bah. Try this sentence. The ship was full of sheep. Finally, chips, potato fries or fried potatoes, and cheap, not expensive. Try this sentence. The chips are cheap here. Over to you to practice. So there we are. The transcript of this episode is available to read on the podcast's webpage, so take a look. 
Join me next time for more pronunciation and grammar tips, more advice, and most importantly, more chatting. My thanks again to Ling and for her music. A massive thanks to the wonderful Mara Carlisle. Bye for now. Thank you.